welcome to Universal After Dark, a universal podcast that's not the same as all the others. Hi and welcome to this week's Universal After Dark. I'm your host, as usual, Amanda, aka Boston White, and I'm joined by my bestest buds today. So I'm joined by Nick. Hello. I'm joined by Luke. What? What? And a little later on in the episode, I'm going to have a super special guest come in to do an interview just for you guys. And I'm so excited about it. I cannot wait. So I think we should, first of all, just apologize because we did say (laughs) this episode that we would be talking food. But when the interview starts, you'll understand why that's had to be pushed back. And we're only pushing it back slightly. We're recording it next week, Amanda. Yes, yes, early next week. Yeah, there you go. So, um, yeah, come back for that because this is still, this is better than us talking about food. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very, very good interview. If I do say so myself, probably one of my favourite interviews that we've ever done. Well, you've never interviewed me, so yes, I'm sure it probably is, actually. <laughs> That's it. I'm going to interview you <laughs> now. Get ready to talk about all the details of your life. Oh, no, let's not make that too depressing. <laughs> um, we can't do the what are we drinking, because we've actually done that during the interview. We have. We have. So we saved that section for our special guest, and we have an extra little gift for you guys in that we recorded the interview in audio alone and also video. Yes. And oh. we've never done a video version of Universe After Dark before. I was nervous. I was like, oh, guys, are going to yeah. see my natural habitat. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, I for, for a while now, I've wanted to record all our podcasts that way. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I think when you can see other people's reactions, when you can see when somebody's about to talk, it does mean that you don't talk over each other quite as much as you would do when you, you can't see each other. Um, but like Amanda said, um, you know, you've got to kind of be dressed for the occasion. Luckily for me, um, I don't know if you could see it in the video. I was actually wearing my uh, Halloween Horror Nights 2017 t-shirt. I did. Oh, I yeah. I, I was wearing that like today before oh, wow. and said, oh, we're going to be doing this on video. Because like, oh, God, I've been wearing this. <laughs> and uh, tonight, because of how hot it's been in the UK, I really wanted to sit in my pants. Um, with a podcast, <laughs> so, so, so hot. And then Amanda's like, no videos. I'm like, right, is this t-shirt wearable? Yes, okay, it's not too damp. I so, mean, it's, yeah, it's not like you need to wear pants for it. It's only seen the top half. Uh, see, Luke, <laughs> business on top, passes down below. <laughs> Heck yeah. Honestly. You know That's why I didn't stand up. honestly that's what I was planning on doing I was like I'm just gonna wear a top I'm just gonna wear some like pajama shorts but then I thought what if I need to go up to get something Mm -hmm. I don't need the world to be seeing my butt (laughs) I I mean we might have more views yeah, I mean, I've, I've got to say, I mean, I think there is probably a uh, reasonable size <laughs> proportion of our audience that probably would. Uh, <laughs> I'm a married man, so I cannot say one way or the other um, <laughs> if, if that would be something appropriate or not. But, um, you know, it's all about the fans, right? Okay. Well, moving on from Butts After Dark, we had a very <laughs> exciting <laughs> announcement today. We'll start a new podcast. <laughs> That's what I'm going to call my new podcast. Excellent. So, 
this is an announcement that we have been waiting for for the longest time. We've been talking about it for months. It's been speculated for a long time. And honestly, I think we've been dying to see it at the event since we had the scare zone at stop. Halloween Horror Nights 28. Stop, 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 stop right there. You could have spoiled yes. the interview. No. no. <laughs> you're going to spoil the base of the interview. Look, let's leave this bit here. You, you've okay. teed up the interview. You've teed it up. So let's <laughs> let's play the interview. Roll the game. And after the interview, <laughs> then we'll talk about the announcement. Okay. Everybody listen to the super cool interview <laughs> in two seconds. Cue the music. Nice craze line. <laughs> okay, so we told you guys that we were going to have a super, super special guest on today's podcast, and we were not lying. So right now, we are joined by the super talented and a dear friend of mine, John Mazzari. Good evening, everyone. Thank or you good, so much for joining good, us. Or good every day, a good every, <laughs> day in every part of the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are very spread out on this podcast today. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? I'm doing very, uh, very wonderful. I had a very, uh, a very interesting and productive morning. Um, nice. I'm, I'm working. I just finished a Western uh, for the director, Josh Becker, and I'm starting on a comedy. And I was, my inbox was flooded with some very uh, special news regarding this uh this world here of killer clowns from outer space yes apparently uh there is going to be a haunted house in both orlando florida in the usa and also in um in california not just over the hill from me south south of just south of me at universal studios uh halloween horror night so uh, sometime i think it's september through november we're gonna have the killer clowns from outer space it's not a scare zone and it's not a walkthrough. It's a haunted house. So we're very excited about yes, it. They are finally getting the house that they deserve. So this is an exciting day. Yes, and we couldn't think of a better guest than you to share this joyous occasion with. Well, thank you very much. I mean, uh, I, I missed you when you were at the scare zone last year. And wasn't that fun is that people just wouldn't leave? <laughs> that was me. Every single time. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> They were just cut, they were, and it's just on and on and on killer clowns. <laughs> right. And uh, I, I got to tell you, I was, I was so, I can't tell you how uh, heartwarming and touched I was that they not only used the music from the original soundtrack, they used music from my new uh, um, reimagined sound, soundtrack that has a combination of uh, synth music and orchestral music. We had the, the finest musicians in the world play for me, and it was just a wonderful experience. And to know that it has a home and people were appreciating it, appreciating it every day was was so incredible. I bet. So I've got so many questions that I want to ask you today, and I'm sure that Nick and Luke do too. But okay. Before we get into any of that, we're going to start the show like we usually do with mm-hmm. what we're drinking. So mm-hmm. as our guest of honor, John Mazzari, what are you drinking today? I am drinking the very excellent PG Tibbs tea prepared my, by my daughter uh, in, the, in the proper English tradition. Fantastic. The fanciest of drinks. Yes, and I have my tea. <laughs> I, and by the way, this is, not, this is not my, I, I usually have a big mug 
uh, I today I have a proper teacup. Fantastically British. Mm-hmm. So we're uh, we're going to be opposites today. Okay. It's very rare that we do video podcasts. It's very rare that I get to physically show you guys what I'm drinking, but I'm keeping it on brand with a Bud Light. Oh my goodness gracious! <laughs> I've been trying for the longest time to get Bud Light to sponsor the podcast because it's all that I ever drink when we're recording. (laughs) And I feel like people think that I exaggerate how much Bud Light I consume on a podcast, but physical proof. (laughs) Okay, Nick, what are you drinking? I've got two drinks because it's been so hot. And also, it it was hot all day and it started raining before the record. So I actually went outside and opened up a can of uh, Brewdog Indie. uh, And I also have a big bottle of water with some ice in it because uh, I really need to cool down. <laughs> Honestly, it's, we're having a heat wave in England and it is, it is rough, let me tell you. Rough. Okay, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a nice cup of water out of a Coca-Cola cup. Keeping it simple. <laughs> Product placement. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, John, what I want to do, I want to talk about loads of killer clowns stuff later, but... I want to hear a little bit about your story first. So I want to hear about how you got started in music composing. Well, it started very young. I went to a um, triple feature. This was a while back. And the triple feature was um, The Time Machine. And these were movies that were made in the late 50s. And so we're talking about, I don't even want to tell you when I was, <laughs> when I was six years ago, six years old, but let's put it this way. They, we had not yet landed on the moon. So anyways, so we have um, uh, The Time Machine, Mysterious Island, and um, uh, a, a very uh, classic, uh, another Jules Verne special effects uh, movie, which was uh, The Seven Voyages of Sinbad. So I had all these three movies as my first uh, experience, cinem- giant cinematic experience. Before that, I was watching things on television. And by the way, I was a huge fan of Supercar and Fireball XL5 at the time. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so, uh, so this was a, a, a massive, uh, wonderful thing for me. Oh, and also Mysterious Island. Excuse me. Mysterious Island was one of them. So these were all very fantasy, special effects, beautiful music scores. And I was just swept off my feet, just taken to a different world. I was, uh, that was a, a, a pinnacle moment, I believe, in my life. And at the time, coincidentally, my mother had just bought a piano because she wanted to learn how to play piano. And I uh, uh, couldn't get off that thing. I was on it all the time. And prior to that, I was always playing records. I was always making instruments out of something. Music gave me an experience that was like indescribable. It was almost transformative. And it didn't matter what kind of music it was. Uh, Where I lived, which was not far from Disneyland, we used to go to uh, Disneyland at the time. You didn't have to pay admission to go in. You walked in like if it was an amusement park. And you paid for each ride individually. And we saw... Uh, jazz bands like Count Basie, Buddy Rich, Woody Herman. And I would just sit there just with my mouth hanging open. And so this was jazz music. Now there was another um, amusement park called Knott's Berry Farm where they had a country um, 
uh, music festival just about three or four nights a week. And I would see Chet Atkins. I would see Dolly Parton. I would see, um, um, I would see, um, uh, Buck Owens, uh, the Sons of the Pioneers, and all these were just fine musicians. And you're sitting there practically arm's length getting this experience of watching these people create music. So, and and I, w I went to the piano, and I'm sure whatever it sounded was god-awful. <laughs> but to me, I was pecking out something, and then I started taking piano lessons. And by the time I was 11, I told my parents, I, I, wanted, I didn't know what to call it, but I wanted to write music for television shows because at the time I was watching um, um, uh, <clears throat> Lost in Space with the incredible scores by John, the early John Williams scores. And I was taping them on my little tiny um, uh, uh, Scott, uh, uh, I had this tiny reel-to-reel tape yeah. <laughs> that I could probably tape all of five minutes of music and I would listen to it and I would try to peck it out at the piano. So um, I told my parents I wanted to become a music writer. They had no idea what that was. <laughs> All they know is that I think they tolerated it. And, and you know, uh, I, throughout, throughout high school, I played in, in bands. And I, I was in a band. The band that I was in the longest for was Crisis. And that is where I came up with the first permutation of the Killer Clowns from Outer Space theme. Amazing. And, because we were playing uh, Black Sabbath. We were playing Blue Oyster Cult, Deep Purple kiss all you know what we what at the time we called it hard rock and um we decided we wanted to do some original so i had this like this killer clown thing going on but i didn't know it was killer clowns and they said what what are the chords to that and i go well it's not really a chord it's kind of a riff but i guess <laughs> if you put the riff together it kind of spells out a d major seven chord and they go John, we can't play D major seven chords. That's jazz. Because at the time, <laughs> I was also playing in the jazz band at school. I was playing the symphonic band. I, I played brass instruments. And uh, they just, we can't do that. You're just, you know, like I was trying to corrupt, you know, the, the world of hard rock. <laughs> so it kind of like fell dead there. And when years later, when I saw, got called to be considered for, which I considered a major, major honor, to uh, do music for Killer Clowns from Outer Space, I said, I can pull out my theme, that thing theme, <laughs> years ago, and this would be perfect. And the Kyoto Brothers heard it, and they really liked it. Um, the music director, uh, Bob Hunka, for Killer Clowns, who also later became the music director at Sony Pictures, uh, he immediately loved it. He says, you nailed it. That's it. You defined... I don't know what the hell you did, but you defined this little movie. Now we have a special little score. Because uh, to be quite frank, frank with you, there were other composers that did demos, and they did kind of like silly, cartoony, circusy music. And it was just like, it made the clowns look kind of silly and stupid. But you had this like disjointed, quasi-heavy metal-ish, uh, uh, Frank Zappa, Beastie Boys kind of thing going on. It said, oh, okay, I get it. I get what it's about, you know. And the underscore for the music was, for the rest of the music, was all very classically inspired that was played on, um, you know, the synthesizers of the day. Amazing. And there's so, no mistaking when you hear that Killer Clown march, you know, yeah, you know yeah. <laughs> that it's Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yes, yes, yeah. I'm, I can't I'm, imagine any other music. I'm very happy for that. Uh, I, it's kind of like Star Wars. When you go, you have Star Wars, John Williams. Killer Clowns from Outer Space, John Mazzari. <laughs> <laughs>
sort of thing. I've got, I kind of put my brand on it. And when the Kyoto brothers and I were working on the film, they just said, listen, we don't, we, you know, the premise is really silly. We just don't want to make it stupid. And the, the, the music, your music is, is the straight man, you know, in a, in a comedy routine. If you have two silly people after a while, it, it wears thin. But if you have someone that, that the silly person bounces off the serious person, you, you have a dynamic. And I think that's what we, cre we created visually story characters and music and sound effects and everything. It kind of, it kind of, came together I just don't think at the time they understood uh, because when I de delivered my masters back then we recorded on two inch tape and each two inch tape was like at the time was $150 today it's like probably 400 or more 500 and um, you can only record 15 minutes worth of music so I had this whole stack of two inch tape that I was bringing back to the studio and I was going up the elevator and there were um, there were some accountants that just happened to be in the elevator with me. And they go, they go, what's that for? Oh, it's uh, one of uh, your latest products, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Oh my God, that nothing's going to ever happen with that thing. <laughs> that, that movie will just never, that movie will sink and die. Oh, I saw it's the most ridiculous, god awful thing. I go, have you seen the finished one? He says, no. And, and they, and he said, well, how would you know? You know, I said, I didn't say anything because they probably thought it was just the delivery guy. Anything, but boy, if I ever ran into any of those guys now, oh, they would have a different. Well, apparently, <laughs> gentlemen, you were you were quite mistaken. <laughs> quite. So, quite. So, okay. So, I mean, the thing is, I mean, the the premise of Killer Clowns is obviously, uh, you know, fairly comical in, in some ways. Another film itself, you know, has more of a, a kind of horror element, but mm -hmm. it, it seems to be one of those films that really over time uh, has become this this huge phenomena did mm -hmm. you think at a time when it came out that you know 30 years on mm -hmm. give or take that it would be this beast that it is now well to, to be quite honest with you uh i fell in love the first time i saw it and the first time i saw the film it had no sound effects, n no temporary music. Oh, I must say, it had the Dickies song in it, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. And that has a story on its own that we can go into at some point. But, um, you know, I really fell in love with it at the beginning. And, you know, when, when you're in, uh, we call it now the media business, you just you just want to do a really great job. You, you, you just want your, uh, whatever you do, your contribution to whatever the final project is, you kind of want to make it your own and make it distinctive and enjoy the process of doing it because it's a very competitive business. And if you're, if you can get a, if you can get called upon to do something in your field for someone else, boy, you've, you've accomplished quite a bit and it takes a lot of work to get there. It's not as easy as it, as it seems to be. It's kind of like the tip of the iceberg. Any, anytime I see any of my friends, it seems like they effortlessly are doing these incredible projects. I know for a fact that there's the other part of the iceberg that there was much sacrifice in, and risk that went in to, to get to that final point. So, um, so I fell in love with it. And you know, at the time, Tim Burton came out with um, uh, Beetlejuice. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is a great trend in horror, comedy, bizarre entertainment, and we're part of it, you know. And uh, we did have a, a theatrical release at the time, and but it did very well when it went to cable and to video rental. 
it was, it was uh, I, the video rental place not too far from where I was, you know, it was always out. You know, people were just always out because I think people couldn't believe there was such a bizarre movie. And, you know, it's the, it's the kind of thing where you, uh, you cook up some popcorn, crack open some beer and, you know, whatever other comfort food and drinks you have and you just sit back and enjoy it. So, but we had no idea really, honestly. But I bet that it feels amazing to know that so many people do love it and they love the film, they love the music, they love everything about it. They must feel good. Well, it is it is very gratifying. I feel that, I, I feel that I've inherited a population of uh, nieces, nephews, and uh, maybe grandkids <laughs> <laughs> around the world. Uh, and, and that's the... What is, you know, I find very gratifying that I have this this extended family uh, throughout the world that uh, I have a connection with. That's amazing. So you mentioned Disney a little earlier, and you actually worked on a Disney project as well. Oh yes, in the early days of the Disney Channel, I I worked on many um, promotional projects to get the channel uh, out and. Um, you know, the, the concept of the whole, you know, subscribing to the cable service uh, that was in the early 80s. And uh, I did some little bit Disney special here. And, you know, a year before Killer Clowns from Outer Space, I did the Wonderful World of Disney theme. It's, wow. There's many, there's many uh, permutations of that theme. And I did one of them. I think there's like 24 or something like that. So I, 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 I did one of them in the 80s. And, um, you know, I played it to my grandmother. I used to play my grandmother my music all the time, and she absolutely adored that. And she used to, I got her a, a, a boom box to play a cassette. And then uh, a year later, I played her, uh, you know, the scene where um, Mike and Debbie come through the forest and they see the enchanted, you know, circus yes. tent. And there's this, like, kind of, it's actually kind of like a little bit of like a, uh, uh, like, I want, I want to say uh, classical. Um, it's um, <clears throat> um, reminiscent of Debussy, maybe Arnold Bax, and maybe a little bit of um, uh, Rayfon Williams or something like that. Something very romantic and mysterious. And she listened to it and she says, oh my goodness, that's so beautiful. So wonderful. What is this? I go, well, it's a movie called Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Goes, you have to change the name of it. Why would you want to call it such a beautiful, beautiful <laughs> music? Killer Clowns from Aerospace. So that was a, a sweet memory of mine. But uh, yeah, it was, I was doing uh, things for Disney and um, I, I worked for a company that we supplied uh, lots of music and that's, that was used in Disney and a lot of Disney products like Toy Story and uh, Toy Story video games and things like that. So um, yeah, so it, it's a, that's a big contrast, wouldn't you would agree? A massive contrast for sure. <laughs> I think you'd get much difference. Right. <laughs> okay, so when you were called upon to work on Killer Clowns, mm-hmm. did you get to see things like the costumes first, or did you go into it when the film was pretty much done? It's finished with a, like, it has to be done by the end of October. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, actually, actually, the music had to be finished by, well, no, excuse me, the music had to be finished by, before Christmas, we had to be, uh, excuse me, the music had to be finished um, uh, before Thanksgiving, which is around the 25th. And my first day of recording was Halloween. It was a Saturday. 
the thir October 31st, uh, uh, 1987. So that was my first day of recording was on Halloween. I don't think many people know that. And um, so uh, we finished, I think, either just before or just after um, uh, Thanksgiving, just before December, we had the movie all put together, all the sound elements were mixed, and then it was going to be released some months later. I think it was released in May, May 19th of the next year, in 1988. That's incredible. So, I mean, did that answer your question? I'm sorry. Are you still there, Amanda? Oh, one second, that's all right. <laughs> Amanda, what did I say? What did I do wrong? I heard that you were recording on Halloween. <laughs> yes, oh my goodness. Okay, so uh, we recorded on Halloween. That was the first recording session. And uh, I, it took me about uh, two weeks to record the entire score and mix it. And get wow. It, yeah, get it ready. Um, Previous to that, I had six weeks to compose and get all the music, or get all the parts written and everything. And um, so we were done like somewhere in mid-December with everything. So uh, as far as mixing the sound, doing the color correcting, but did I see any costumes? No. I went to the Kyoto Brothers studio, but we just met in their conference room because they were working, they were creating props for a commercial inside their uh, warehouse and which was like an off limits you can't know what they don't want anyone seeing anything and an uh, interesting note about the Kyoto Brothers studio often when I've gone there uh it's like going to um uh you know it's like going to some uh company that's making like the latest aerospace innovation that you can't go in their room because they're either working on <laughs> creating something for a commercial or something for an amusement park or something for another movie that they just don't want to have anyone's eyes on it other than the people that are working on it. So for Kilocons from Outer Space, it was in one of their conference rooms that we had uh, one of the one and only meeting with all three brothers. And they kind of, they, they, they took me to church, so to speak. They said, these are the movies that we loved and enjoyed all our lives. And this, this movie, Killer Clowns of Outer Space, is a movie that we would have wanted to see when we were kids. And we like Mighty Joe Young. We like Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. We like um, um, King Kong. And we love all the scores to those movies. So listen to those. However, we want the film to sound different. We want it to be in the grand classical tradition of film music, but it's got to sound different. And so that's that was the decision to use synthesizers to play the score as opposed to real music. So that that was it. So the, so the vocabulary had to be steeped within classical film music. I see. So did you get to like watch parts of the film to then give you inspiration? What oh, you yes. Doing? It was completely finished when I when I got called in. They were they had all gone through all of their edits. There was nothing they had to do other than um, do color correcting, and they were working on sound effects. But all the uh, I had seen when I saw it, all the sound of all the special effects, visual special effects were all placed. They're all ready to go. So that was that's quite a luxury. So I didn't have to do any guesswork. <laughs> that is very cool. Does that help you with like composing the music? seeing the scenes like pre-recorded well luke oh gosh I, that's a i could do a whole hour on just that itself because there are films that i have worked on i had not a clue at what was going on i basically had placement cards 
telling me what was going on. And I go, do I get to see any drawings or anything like that? And sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't. Uh, I did uh, one of the Puppet Master movies, Retro Puppet Master, that they gave me a three-quarter inch video when, when QuickTimes were starting to become a thing. And the three-quarter inch video had no sound on it. I was looking at a silent film and I did the whole two weeks that I worked on that, no, three weeks that I worked on that movie, I never got a soundtrack. I had to guess what people were talking about. Luckily, I was spot on. <laughs> uh, Luckily. I, for the life of me, I could never, I couldn't get them to give up. Can you transfer me another one that, that has the dialogue on it at least? I just need to know what people are saying. And I just, you know, you just have to, you know, I come from a family of very rugged individuals. They had to, they had, my grandparents uh, left Italy when there was a civil war in Italy uh, and they came to the United States and uh, my grandfather served in World War One. My dad served in Korean War and, and er, they were all rugged individuals. They just, they just bared their burden. So I kind of learned that. I wasn't going to sit around and say, well, I can't write a piece of music unless I know exactly because who knows what dialect this person is speaking. It's not, I don't care. I'm just going to do the score based on what I think it is and they're going to love it. And that's just, just, just it. So I delivered the score and it, and it worked out. And I, I didn't, I never saw it. With dialogue. <laughs> oh my God. It came on DVD. And I said, oh, so that's what the hell they were talking about. <laughs> Luckily, the music just happened to work. So that's, that's my, um, if, you're, if you're asking about, you know, the elements that you get, uh, you know, so oftentimes there's a green screen and, and they'll tell me, oh, behind the green screen is, is the, the entire city is burning down or something like that. Or there's going to be uh, the Brooklyn Bridge is behind there. I go, okay, good. This is at least, or they'll, they'll actually put a graphic in there that'll say Brooklyn Bridge placed in here. You know, okay. Uh, so you know, you just do, you, you just you just make it happen. That's that's the that's that's just what you do. You just make it happen, and because uh, no one. By the way, I learned really very quickly in this business. No one likes a complainer. They like doers. You know, I mean, you sure you can't assume. You know, but you're not going to say, "Well, I'm just I'm going to sit here and hold my breath until I get the right thing." you know no one's gonna no one i i can't even I, i'm very forgiving and i can't even tolerate that so um so with killer clowns though it was a luxury because every shot was put in the way way it was i was just i, I told the Kyoto brothers i was i was hoping there would be more special effects in it and they said yeah that's gonna be for the sequel we can't <laughs> they, they only gave us they gave us a dollar 28 dollar <laughs> this is what they're getting so, um, so anyway, so that was a luxury to have everything in place by the time I uh, was w called in to do the score. Awesome. Sweet. John, if I can kind of go forward in time a little bit to, mm -hmm. well, actually last year, um, and, you know, the announcement that Kidder Clowns was going to be part of, of Halloween Horror Nights. Right. So first question on, on that really is, what is your history? Do you have a history with Halloween Horror Nights, either as a visitor or um, contributing um, to the event itself? Um, I, I had never been to Halloween Horror Nights until last year. 
And um, yeah, I know it's a big thing here. And uh, I have a house here in Glendale, which is just, just north, just over the hill on the other side of um, the Hollywood sign. And I have another house on the other side of the Hollywood sign. And all I know is that I, I know when it's HHN is on because uh, you can't get anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> traffic is crazy (laughs) that's all all i'll know of it and i honestly haven't been to universal studios here in hollywood please forgive me since i was in junior high school wow yes wow so (laughs) i have a good reason to go now (laughs) absolutely you're gonna have to go this year to go and check out their house well i'm gonna check out the house i'm also gonna you know every every week i'm gonna do a, a, a fan meetup somewhere either uh at uh the park or at some lo- some other location and uh people will be able to experience some wonderful things i have some pro- killer clowns related projects that i'm finishing that i may give people a rare peek at and uh that i'm looking very forward very cool. to meeting mm. people on a weekly basis i'm also going to go to orlando i'm going to probably be there <clears throat> One of the days I'm definitely going to be there is the 18th because I'm doing a DJ set at a club. A Killer Clowns from Outer Space themed DJ set. Yes. What? That's what we're working on right now. <laughs> That's amazing. Where That's and when is this? That's going to be the 18th, and I forgot the name of the club. Oh, um, September or October. Yeah. It's no, in October. It's going to be October 18th. And um, the name of the club, you know what? I'm going to wait for the announcement to come out because they're going to do a special little thing. And I'm going to be doing it with my um, good friend, Daniel, who's a, uh, um, he's uh, from Europe and uh, he does DJing all over the world and he's helping me put this together. So as a matter of fact, I just got an email a bit ago with a link to the startup of the project of putting everything together. So I'm really thrilled about that. Uh, I, do I like DJing and stuff like that? Well, I admire DJs. I've never done it before, but I'm going to do it now. And one of my favorite DJs is a guy named DJ Shadow. I remember I went to two of his performances and I practically sat next to him to, you know, see how he does everything. And I says, I gotta, I think I got to do this one of these days. <laughs> and so now there's a really good reason to do it. Oh, I'm so sad that I'll be back in the UK by that time. That sounds amazing. I know. You're not going to be coming to Hollywood either? No, I'm not. Well, I mean, magic might happen (laughs) in the meantime. But as of right now, no. Tell me when you're going to be there. So I'm going to be in Orlando from the 25th of September until the 11th of October. Well... Okay, the 11th is close to the 18th. <laughs> I can just per- say. Perhaps, perhaps <laughs> maybe, uh, I mean, I'm, I, don't, I, I'm not, I don't think I'm planning to go on the 18th. I'm planning to go a little bit before. Um, I was going to go there for Halloween proper uh, because there's uh, also uh, Spooky Empires going on around that time. But then I found out Spooky Empire is also going on in December. So... It's not about Spooky Empire. It's about Killer Clans and the fans of Killer Clans. <laughs> Who knows? I may be there from the 10th to the 18th. So we may, our paths may cross. Yeah, finally. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately for me, I'm only there for four days. Well, who, oh. cares, who cares about you? I'll, I'll see you. 
no what? I'm learning more and more all the time. No I'm one. And I, you know, it's, it's my podcast. My podcast life is now turning into my home life. Uh huh. Right. I'm becoming less and less relevant as the days go on. Right. So I completely understand that. Um, oh yeah. hush, Nick. <laughs> did you not hear? Did you not hear the podcast I did with my daughter the other day? When oh, I'm gonna see that. Uh, my, my wife and my daughter just basically spent 15 minutes telling me um, how rubbish I was because I didn't like The Lion King. It was, uh, oh, oh, my God. <laughs> I still well, I gotta, okay, this... You're definitely going to give me the links to all your podcasts so I can like watch them and co- make nice comments and share. <laughs> sure. Make fun of Nick. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> Hi, Wendy Prater at Magical Journeys here, proud sponsor of the Universal After Dark podcast. How would you like to be among some of the first guests to stay at Universal's new property, the Aventura Hotel? Aventura opens this August and is another great option to consider when staying at Universal. You can get early entry benefits, transportation to and from all the parks, and have views of any of the three parks. At the end of a long day, have a drink in style on the new rooftop bar. Book a four-night stay with me to get 20% off your stay with rates as low as $116 per night along with a $50 food and drink credit. You must book by June 15th and travel dates are August 16th through December 20th. Mention this ad to stack your savings and get $25 off your deposit. Find me at WPMagicJourneys.com or any social media at WPMagicJourneys. Is After Dark Podcast is sponsored by HHNUnofficial.com, the home of Halloween Horror Nights news and rumors all year round. Find us on the web at www.HHNUnofficial.com. So stop the fog machines and clear the cobwebs. It's time for another episode of the podcast that's nearly the same as all the others. Okay, so moving on to present day killer counts from outer space. We've talked Mm -hmm. about last year. But actually, before we do that, I just want to touch a little bit on your trip there last year oh because yes. you went with the Kyoto bros the Kyoto bros went like a few days before we have we had different work schedules we were gonna we were trying to go on the same week but we just couldn't they they had to be right. back by a certain time and i i couldn't leave when they were able to go but uh, we had been talking about that when we first heard about it, we said hey did you see this what, what could be going on and they go i can't imagine what it looks like I just hope it looks good. I hope they got it. And boy, they were so happy. They looked like a bunch of little kids again <laughs> when they were there and see what what a great celebration <laughs> it was. And when I was there too, it's like one thing seeing it. I mean, people have to understand. It's one thing. It's one thing seeing something. It's another being inside of it and experiencing it. Because it wasn't only the people. The, oh, the performers were just were just completely spot on. It's like the people that were enjoying it. There was there's a uh, there's a couple that their little daughter was you know an infant like two two or two and a half years old. Her first steps were taken, 
<laughs> in the scare zone and she's not scared of killer clowns. She goes and hugs them and what have you. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, just a family happening. And the guys that played the Terenzi brothers really and had it down. It was just like, it was just so much fun. I can't tell you. It was like, I just felt like a little kid all over again. <laughs> so did, did they... Do they give you a heads up first and say, hey, we're going to do this? Or did you find out after it was announced? Well, uh, for the Scare Zone, no. But for this, what's coming up, yeah. They, 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 um, they passed, let me see. They, what are, they communicated with the Kyoto Brothers. And the Kyoto Brothers communicated with me. And then uh, two months ago, I had some communications with the, the powers that be at Universal, the, the uh, creative development people regarding some things that are going to happen that have not been announced. Well, there's one thing that they've announced this, the, this, the haunted house, but they have not announced this other thing, um, which uh, I'm sure there's going to be some other thing. I can't imagine what it is, what comes out of that creative brain trust out there. That's going to be just wonderful, but uh, I'm sure there's going to be something else. I'm excited. I'm so am I, I can't tell you exactly what it is. <laughs> so, let's put it this way. There's always a surprise over there. There's always, a, there's always wonderful surprises that they, they uh, leave. And I'm so happy that they waited kind of toward the end of all all the uh, you know they picked the perfect time to to mention killer clowns in relation to other uh events well the one thing john that um uh, over the years with with universal was um for a long time they had a, a villain's head uh show which wasn't really you know it, it was a very loose kind of interpretation of the film uh-huh. or a comedy pop culture like it would be that year's events and they would like almost like Saturday Night Live like lots of skits and right. parodies and stuff like that it was very funny right. mm-hmm. and it was something that Universal had for years and years and years and people were really upset when uh, they stopped doing it three years ago and it feels to me that with Killer Clowns they've now managed to get a franchise in which mm-hmm. is really appealing to mm-hmm. a wider audience Mm-hmm. And so I almost feel that, and I, I, don't, I don't know what the future plans are. I mean, we've not got mm-hmm. this year out of the way first, but um, I wonder if this is something that it's not just going to be a scare zone one year and a house another year. I wonder if Killer Clowns is something that we can see in different kind of variations uh, mm-hmm. in going forward. Well, this is all I can say. That's a, that sounds like a, a very astute observation. Uh, that's about all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you that, uh, you know, last year we had a concert that we, we filmed and high def and we, we have the concert. I just finished the first cut and mix of the concert video, which is, you know, up for approval now. And I decided in going through the concert movie, I spoke to uh, the sound effects and sound designer for killer clowns. That was, um, Chuck Serino, who's also a composer, he did, I think he did Chopping Mall, if I'm not mistaken. He's done lots of movies. He's a really talented filmmaker and uh, uh, sound designer and composer. And I said, you know, Chuck, we have an opportunity here. Yeah. You know, because when we did the original mix for Killer Clowns from Outer Space, it wasn't that, it wasn't all that. Would you agree? And they said, no. He says, why don't we take a pass at, like, uh, I'm going to remaster the synthesizer score and we can, like, really do the right job 
on the sound effects and sound design where it really it really pans out and lends much more color to the film. And we also have the original uh, negative that the Kyoto brothers um, timed out themselves personally. So wow. we're in the process of uh, speaking with the powers of the bee to make uh, a double uh, Blu-ray set on that. And that's going to be very exciting because everyone's re-released Killer Clowns from Outer Space with a different jacket with a different poster and a different cover but the sound the sound from the original movie that was i'd be, be very frank with you uh, it was not high on the roster of projects with the company that we originally worked with so we kind of rushed through the sound mix and there there's lots missing uh, and that like makes me cringe uh, i don't think anyone notices but it makes me cringe and makes the filmmakers cringe and they we we would just love to go in and do uh, offer that also as a as a uh, a new a new telling of the tale uh, and it's a different experience for sure amazing so yeah. how much involvement have you now that you know and you've informed that there's going to be a house this year uh -huh. How much involvement have you had with the creative team at Universal this year? Well, it's it's basically just providing them with element sound music elements that they need. And that's it. As far as designing it, that's that's their specialty. You know, um, I have little experience in de in designing um, ride attractions. I have lots of experience making music. So. Um, <laughs> I, I provided, they needed uh, certain sound elements from the original and uh, music elements from the original and music elements from the reimagined score uh, to incorporate into the uh, ride. Now, I have not seen the uh, computer mock-up. Uh, I do know people that have, and they are just absolutely spinning, thrilled to death, uh, including the Kyoto Brothers. So I almost want to uh opening night just go through myself with a with a selfie stick <laughs> and uh, because i think when i go through i mean i'm one, sure they could arrange that for you <laughs> yeah that's that's for sure they were oh by the way when i came last year to the scare zone the uh, michael aiello the uh, chief creative director uh, was my host and uh it gave me a tour of everything it was he was absolutely wonderful we must give credit to Michael Aiello because it was his idea to bring this together. And when I saw, uh, when we heard, when the Kyoto Brothers and I heard about the scare zone, and then we saw Michael Aiello's uh, tweet on Twitter where he had the, had his camera and he was going around, here it is. It finally came. It, it looked like a little nine year old kid that couldn't be happier. He was like, <laughs> at his favorite, you know, at the circus, you know, he was just so happy. And I said, I told the Kyoto brothers, they go, hey, isn't it great that we have a guy like him that's that's uh, speaking out for us, you know? How, how, how incredible that's is it. that? That, exactly. I mean, I think, I think that's one of the, the greatest things about Halloween Horror Nights is that mm -hmm. when you do get a franchise, I mean, they're very good at what they do with their original houses. Uh-huh. are taking something that is so beloved as, something like Killer Clowns, right? the people doing it are doing it with passion. They're not doing it because they've got a mandate, right, this is what you've got this year, make it work. Right. They, they're picking these things and, you know, it is like going to Toys R Us at Christmas back when you could do that um, mm -hmm. and going, you know, wow, look at all this. I want this, this and this. They're right. not forced to do this. They're doing this because they want to and that passion right. shines through because yeah. 
they want to make it as special to, for them as it is for the people that made it originally. Right. And you can just see, uh, uh, when I went to Orlando, uh, there was, uh, my, I, I brought some goodies for Michael and the rest of the crew, the creative crew. And you could just see on their faces, they just like, it's not really work to them. It's yeah. like, this is where, this is a, it's such a, like an indigenous part of their psyche, you know, that they really have it. And, and as I understand, uh, some of the people started off as just, you know, working the rides, you know, working their like way up. Creative team did. I mean, a lot, for a lot, to create a team like Mike, like Patrick, like Charles, they spent all their young adult and then going into their adult life working for universities. These mean a lot to them. They're just as big of fans as the films and of the event as what we are. And that's what I especially appreciate. I love Mike and I love the rest of the team. I think they're absolutely fantastic. And I wouldn't want steering the halloween horror nights ship i think they do a fantastic fantastic job and i bet they love you because there couldn't be a better uh champion of the horror and halloween genre than you oh, and there's a, you. <laughs> there's a few other there's a few other youtubers and media people i know that it's so heartwarming to see that these they not only um uh, you could tell that they're in love with it, but they live the lifestyle. If I'm not mistaken, you have body art that's reflective of the genre, if I'm not mistaken. I do. <laughs> and I, I, I would do. call that, I would call that quite a commitment. <laughs> it's a very big one, very painful one. <laughs> but you, but you, you relish it, yes? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you spoke a little about the orchestrated screening that you had for the 30th anniversary. Right. That you Tell can us see. a little bit about that. Yes. Well, you can see portions of it on my YouTube channel. Um, that, was, that was born out of, that started back in, oh my goodness, 2013. I was invited, I got a call from the Kyoto Brothers office and she says, we're doing something with Killer Clowns. I go, Oh my goodness, the, the sequel? No, no, no. We're having a 25th anniversary at Monster Palooza. And I go, oh, good. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> and they say, well, it's going to be, um, it's, a, it's a horror convention. Oh, cool. Okay. So what do you want? What, can you make an appearance? Oh, of course I can. We're going to have a table. And I go, what are you doing at the table? Well, you can bring things. I go, like, like my laundry? What do you mean? Okay, bring things. <laughs> She says, no, no, if you have like something you want to sign for people, like, uh, I go, like what? Like uh, any kind of merchandise? I don't have, what do you mean merchandise? I had no idea what they were talking about. This is, well, maybe, maybe you can bring uh, like some copies of your score manuscripts for people. And so I just gave them away. I didn't, wasn't going to charge people for that. So I got to meet the, the cast. It was like a reunion. There was the cast and crew was there. Some of the stunt people that played the uh, clowns were there, and the uh, definitely uh, Grant and Suzanne, who played Mike and Debbie, were there. Obviously, the Kyoto brothers were there. And then I met all these fans that were just so happy to meet me, and they knew more about the movie than I did. <laughs> <laughs> they know all the characters' names, which we, we never had the character. We didn't. I think Shorty had a name and Clownzilla, but like Rudy didn't really have a name and I think maybe Slim did, but I didn't know their names. I just know the different clowns. I, 
I, I didn't have, I didn't know their names. Anyways, they had such an affection for the music that I thought, my goodness, how how nice would it be for the 30th anniversary to put on a concert in Hollywood, uh, basically Hollywood and Vine. You can't get more Hollywood than that. There's a beautiful theater wow. called Montauban Theater. I had my good friends at the Hollywood Chamber Orchestra, which are the, the top musicians in 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 town that if you if you look at um, behind the scenes recording of music scores you'll see some of the very same people that play in those scores play in that wow. in that in that concert and we had three screens and we had um we had a pre-show um festivities and events we had uh, buster balloon cadwell who's a this magnificent balloon folding artist who who's such a big fan of killer clowns was there there were circus performers uh we had the like i said the full cast and crew was at the 30th one steve kyoto directed a reenactment of the scene with with uh grant kramer and suzanne uh snyder uh, no way Yes, yes, you'll see it. If you look at my YouTube video, you'll see uh, snippets of it. And it was just really sweet. It was really wonderful. It was a thousand seat theater. We sold it out. And my wife, who was in the audience, my daughters were in the audience. They were like screaming. They said people were screaming the whole time. I don't know how they could hear the movie. <laughs> just freaking out. The, the Dickies were there. The Dickies performed wow. with the orchestra at the beginning and at the end. Um, my, uh, a lot of my colleagues were there specifically, uh, Joseph Bashara, who does all the conjuring movies, uh, Bear McCreary, uh, who we work together every once in a while, uh, Bear McCreary, as you know, the, the walking dead and he did the last Godzilla movie and, uh, Chris Young who, who did yes. Hellraiser. So afterwards they all came backstage and they go. This is fantastic. What are you going to do now? I go, well, I got to do this again. We have to do this again. They were so blown away. They, were, they, said, I, they said, I can't tell you how much fun the audience was having. Everyone, people were standing up. They, they, they would sit down, but for the most part, they were standing up. So it was, it was wonderful. And um, I would love to do it again. Uh, uh, but it was just, you know, getting all those elements together. It took about a year to plan it properly because I wanted to, I wanted it to be a really nice show. Uh, everyone that did every aspect of the show was an expert at it. The, um, the individual that set up the program, there's like a program. It's like guitar hero that I follow the, I follow guitar hero, which is it's, it's not guitar, hero, but it's like guitar hero <laughs> that, that synchronizes <laughs> measures of the music to the film and I can conduct the orchestra from that. The individual that set that up, his name is uh, wow. Alex Levy. He's, uh, he does uh, music, supervise, uh, music editing and uh, co-producing for Michael Giacchino, uh, who as you know did, you know who Michael Giacchino is, yes? Uh, did, uh, oh my goodness, he, he uh, He's, he does all the, uh, you know, okay. <laughs> you don't know who Michael Duncan is. That's really, you got to edit that part out. Um, <laughs> I'll let myself, it's fine. You know, you know who Bear McCreary is, yes? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Michael Giacchino, he did uh, like movies like Up. He did. Um, oh, no, sorry. I know exactly who you're talking about. Star, yeah, he does Star, he did the Star Wars um, Rogue One. Yep. So his people, Help me sync all this stuff up. Wow. So, you know, once you put experts together, I just, all I wanted was 
I told everyone that I gathered all the all the people that were elemental in putting this together. All I want to do is be able to put a wonderful show that the fans don't realize that they're watching the show. It's an experience. It's going on so effortlessly, you know. And that to me was a, a great satisfaction that everyone enjoyed themselves, and it was just it was uh, thrilling uh, to put that together. So we're going to do that again, but. In the meantime, we have a concert movie. We have it. We have it uh, documented, and uh, it's in two parts. It's it's really great. It'll, it's a lot of fun. If you go to my YouTube channel, you'll see snippets of it that are a lot of fun. Can I just can I just say I've never heard Michael's name pronounced. That's why I was like, I'm sure I should know it, but why don't I know it? I've never heard it pronounced. How? how oh, you just seen the name? Yeah, Gianchino. You know, he's Italian, by the way. Well, I, I mean, the, the name looked Italian. Yes, yeah. But, you know. You never, you never had to sound it out, right? No, that's it. It just pops up. <laughs> it pops up in the Pixar films. I'm like, oh, yeah, him again. Yeah, that, right, exactly. He's just tons of Pixar films. Sweet guy, wonderful, wonderful composer. Uh, and uh, so I, w- it was, I was in good company up there on stage. I had some of the best people in the world. It's, it's so amazing when you meet people that, they don't get it right. They can't get it wrong. That's what it is. They're so expert at what they do. It's difficult to do it wrong, incorrectly. Do you know what I'm saying? If you see a, a very fine musician or magician perform, it's, you're not really thinking about how he did the trick. You're enjoying the illusion. You know what I'm saying? You're, same thing with music. You don't want to know, like, oh my goodness, look at that person. They're working so hard. They're uh, look at those harmonies they're playing and the, that technique. You don't want to think of that. You just want to enjoy the music that they're performing. And so I think that's what we got to, we, we got to, uh, we, we accomplished that night. And it was captured on camera and sound. Sound sounded pretty good too. Sound was really, really nice. So. I really hope that you do get to do it again because I would 100% fly out for that. Okay. 100%. Well, I'll, I will keep that in mind. Yeah. We had a lot of people did you know what there were lots of people some people came flew in from England and Germany and people came in from uh, all over the United States. There's a matter of fact there was someone that's a big Halloween Horror Nights fan that came in and um uh, uh, uh he uh, proposed to his girlfriend before the concert. Oh. We actually have we have that in the Amazing. bonus material. Yeah. But they're not they're not uh, engaged anymore. <laughs> but she had she had all all sorts of really great killer clowns uh uh tattoos on her legs and things like that and this was his surprise to her he didn't tell her what was going on until they showed up for the concert outside the concert well i don't you see this behind me right Mm -hmm. well that was uh uh, there was a mural that was 12 feet by 12 feet and that was plastered onto the theater uh, that's where this is from. This is like a smaller version of that. And uh, yeah, it was very fun. We had you know, Michael Landis. There was, there was, uh, there were celebrities there. There are people that I kind of recognize who they were. I've seen them in various movies and TV shows. I didn't know who they were, but people just came out of the woodworks. To see I bet. I bet. <laughs> people love the killer clowns. I was going to say, it's going to make you really proud because, um, you know, kind of like what you was going back to saying earlier about when you used to play your music to your grandmother uh-huh. with with her it's it's different because she obviously knows you personally right be proud of your achievement 
Mm -hmm. But to know that your work has had that kind of impact on people. Mm -hmm. um, And okay, you didn't come up with the design of the clowns. Um, So when you see someone with a tattoo, it it may not just be because of that, but your music is, and music to films in general, are integral to what you're watching. You know, Mm -hmm. if you watch a film without music, it doesn't feel the same. It's that whole combination. And you've managed to, you know, make this a complete thing. Yes. I mean, and, 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 don't assume that I am only in love with my own music. I mean, there are, there's films, genres of film and and types of film music that I really admire and listen to closely. I just for the past, just the other day I saw um, the book of Eli, which uh, had a score by Atticus Ross. And it's just such a brilliant score, how he designed everything and how everything is just, it just works so perfectly. I, I actually, Oh, saw it three times to study that, and I, <laughs> I, I actually saw it twice and listened to it, tw- listened to it twice without watching the movie, uh, basically listening to it like a radio show. And that's how I used to study film scoring: is going to a movie theater and recording, like Ghostbusters. One of you is a fan of Ghostbusters. I don't know which one. Let me see. Oh, is it you? All of us. Yeah, I think we all are. <laughs> so all, all of you, all of you. Okay. Well, I went to see Ghostbusters probably like 10 times, and I, with a Sony Walkman that had a, a cassette that you stuck in it. Amazing. I stuck that into the movie theater and recorded it two or three times to get, um, because sometimes people talk through the movie, so I had different nights that I would listen to that had better sound quality than others. And I studied that score left and right, listened to it like a radio show. And I can't tell you, I think it elevated my music timing like by 30% because um, Elmer Bernstein just has this incredible sense of timing with his music of where the music comes in and how it reacts to dialogue. And if things don't come in when you think they come in, you think that like, Oh, I need to hit this on, on this downbeat here at this. No, sometimes he waits or he does something before it's it's brilliant. And so I did that with several movies. I did that with star Wars where I just listened to the music and the narrative and the dialogue without the picture. So in you can really experience the emotional landscape that the music lies down uh, that way. So if anyone out there is interested in studying film music, that's one of the, that's one of the most valuable uh, exercises I can recommend. Well, we've just uh, recently, Amanda did a, a watch along with Ghostbusters uh, mm. last week. And uh, I, it was my the original birthday. Ghostbusters. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And it was uh, my birthday the other week, and I chose to uh, use my birthday as an excuse to introduce my uh, my oldest child to Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Um, it just turns ah, and because um, I was, I think that's probably about the age I first watched Ghostbusters. Right. I was only watching the cartoon at that age, at least, but I think I, I watched the film around the same time. And I've not seen it in ten years, maybe. Mm. Um, and we watched it because that's obviously coming to Halloween Horror Nights this year as well, which I'm very excited about. But I forgot how good the music was in Ghostbusters. You know, everyone remembers the theme tune, the Ray Parker Jr. thing, but actually the the, the sound used throughout the film is incredible. Yeah. But it's, it's very it's very 80s, but yeah, yeah. it works so well with the film and it just makes it bounce along and yeah, it just adds that extra element to it that it would be lacking if it didn't have that. 
Okay, let's see if we can sing the the the, uh, the theme <laughs> song to go uh, go exposures. Yeah, it was great. That in stripes was and uh, and all my composer friends will correct me you were flat on the third note and it was sharp <laughs> it, was, it wasn't a tritone it was a per extended perfect fifth uh, uh no it's uh that was that was yeah that must have been something uh, and there's there's a line in that movie that when i saw it for the first time i laughed so hard i i coughed up a lung it's at the very end i think it's it's um bill murray says to someone and says you know no no it's not at the end it's the kind of at the beginning he goes elon this reminds me of the time you tried to drill a hole through your head remember that and they said <laughs> yeah that would have worked if you hadn't stopped me <laughs> I, I don't know it was just like you know i don't know if that was in the script or if they just it came out of the blue but i laughed so hard i i left the theater i had to leave the theater because i was laughing so hard because i said you know certain things like someone like they tickles you they tickle you in a little spot and you you can't stop laughing it's that kind of thing i had to run out of the theater i, <laughs> I missed probably okay. five minutes of the first time anyways yeah 100 percent. so i need to hear the case of the missing rudy baton <gasps> the, the missing okay so you want to hear about the case of the missing rudy baton not the time that i almost got expelled from university Oh. I mean both. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Um, a dear friend of mine, people say that too often, a very good friend of mine <laughs> that's uh, very supportive. He helps me out in, in many uh, promotional aspects. Uh, his name is uh, Nelson Broski. He made a, uh, a, bat a baton, a conductor's baton for me and placed it on a... Um, a little pedestal and he did this detailed drawing of rudy and it was just the most gorgeous thing i have pictures of myself with a few fans that night of it and it was in my dressing room and i remember during the intermission it was there because during the intermission i had a very very simple um request i i don't want to be disturbed and i put my put the lights out and i just listened to uh uh, the Reverend T.D. Jakes, and he does this talk about the most powerful, the most powerful muscle you have in your in in your body is your mind. You can change anything with your mind. And I was just listening to that, and then my daughter calls me. She says, "Dad, yeah, where are you? Oh, I'm in my dressing room by myself." She, they came to visit me, so that was wonderful. So Rudy was there during all this. I went back on stage to conduct uh, the, uh, the uh, after intermission, the second act. And when I came back, he was gone. So that's it. That's all there is to say. And it was really sad. And then I go, does anyone know where Rudy is? And he says, no. Who's Rudy? He was that little thing that was standing there. Oh, gosh, I don't know. And I asked uh, a bunch of people that saw it and were admiring it. I said, do you know where it is? He's, he's gone missing. And so people try to look for him and stuff like that. So he went missing. I don't know if I don't know if he was zapped back to the oh. clown, clown planet or not. But it was really sad. He was so cute and so wonderful. Maybe. I don't know who could sell. I no know one, you no one could sell it on eBay. 
no one could no one could it's, it doesn't have to be in someone's <laughs> no. private collection if it's mm -hmm. stolen or if he got zapped up back to the clown dimension let's uh, let's start a petition hashtag uh free rudy uh, I, I will support <laughs> you yeah yeah return, return rudy who is the smartest and cutest of all the clowns absolutely absolutely okay so i'm very conscious this has turned into a very very long interview because i'm doing what i always do yeah. where i just go on three hours yeah same here really quickly before we wrap up honestly we're like twins so very very recently we've had some killer clowns in pop culture so mm -hmm. we had the new child's play movie yes. where we had a killer clowns poster on andy's room wall mm -hmm. how cool was that to see that was very cool i i i will admit that i knew about that back in january oh really yeah bear mccreary said hey what are you doing I go, uh, it's like Sunday morning. Well, I'm making myself some coffee and I'm about to, uh, I'm starting on a Western. You know, we're texting back and forth. I'm starting on, you're doing a Western? Dude, that's on my bucket list. I go, yeah, it's really cool. It's like, uh, it's uh, all of Sam Raimi's crowd. They, they have, there's a bunch of filmmakers in the Midwest and, he, and uh, they, they, they got me on board to do their Western. And, um, and they go, I go, well, what are you up to? What are you up to? And how is that beautiful little daughter of yours and that lovely wife of yours? Oh, we're fine. I'm I'm doing this movie. You probably know about it, Child's Play. The kid has a killer clown poster <laughs> in his room. And I go, Well, that makes sense. I think I think they're Orion and, and uh MGM are trying to introduce the brand bit by bit. And it's you'll you'll see it's gonna show up in other places. And it did, because around the same time I got uh, contacted by the people at um, Stranger Things at Netflix. And the Duffer Brothers have a, 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 a huge affection for many things. The Killer Clowns is one of them. And they told me, you know, there's, this, there's a few pieces of music and they, I think it was like Muscle Car Clown and Mike and Debbie's Discovery and the Hidden Clown Ship. They, they named the, the tracks. Those Pieces, parts of those pieces of music work perfect for the scene where um, in the premiere episode, the kids' toys come up to life. And I said, oh, that's wonderful. Yes. He says, can you, can you give us the actual, real, you know, untransferred masters of those? I go, of course I could. And, and they come, they have a certain kind of like ID code that comes with them and stuff like that. So we got all that taken care of. And I had no idea what they were doing until I saw it. Um, on on July fourth, when, when it showed, it was amazing. It was unmistakably you. Yes, thank you, thank you. It was a lot of fun. I I saw it with my daughters. They had they they did not. Uh, my daughters are, you know, like nineteen and seventeen, and um, they had never seen Stranger Things. And so I said, "Do you mind if we watch this thing?" I got I got some music on. The premiere episode's coming on and like three minutes it was like midnight so he looked at it and says what are we looking for well I, I just want to see the first episode you guys you don't have to like it we'll just we'll just watch it so like within like 16 minutes they go dad that's your that's your stuff man that's your, <laughs> <laughs> that's your music and you know to have your daughters like your like your music it's so it's so wonderful but anyways um and then all of a sudden they started getting texts and and uh instagram messages do you know that they used your music 
by the dude they used your music on stranger things you know that <laughs> like someone stole it you know the, like well did you find rudy that's what we're looking for <laughs> <laughs> that's stranger a real things. question stranger things okay where the hell is rudy <laughs> So anyways, that was really cool to see the the way they integrated the three or four different pieces of music and made it into a cohesive thing. I mean, I, I couldn't have done it better myself. It was quite, quite extraordinary. So John, just one final question from me yes. before we go. Um, is there more new Killer Clown stuff in the pipeline or is it too early to say? Well, you know, I think I think Steve Kyoto, one of the creators, said it best. He said, there was a time where I, I'm quoting Steve, there was a time where I said, listen, don't hold your breath. Well, I will, I will repeat after, I, I will quote him in saying that he says, you can hold your breath now. That's about all I could say. <laughs> That's great to leave on, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, well. Everybody keep your eyes peeled for more killer clowns in the future. What an exciting time. It is. It is. Uh, John, before you go, do you want to um, um, any plug any of your social media or? Well, uh, it, with me, it's very simple. You can easily find me on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter because I go by John Masari. Whoa. What an internet <laughs> name. <laughs> Oh, this is good as mine. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> what, well, your real name? Uh, do, you, do you want me to do me? Uh, do you want me to do a an ID for your show or something like that? I mean, it's entirely up to you. I don't know if you know. Like, make sure you what listen to Boston White and all the horror happenings going on throughout. Oh, that would be lovely. I would okay. Love that. Okay. Amazing. You want to do it now? Right now. For sure. You've got to Go give him a script. You've got to give him a script, surely. No, no, I, 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 I think I, I think what I just said might work. I, you know, you can you, if it meets your satisfaction. I say, okay, here we go. Hello, this is John Masari. I'm the composer of Killer Clowns from Outer Space, and you're listening to Boston White. And you here you can hear all the horror happenings throughout the entire universe. So listen very closely. Amazing. I, oh, I don't know perfect. how we're going to get that uh, sound effect in. We'll come up, <laughs> I'll, I'll figure something out, but that's brilliant. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. John, okay. thank you so, so much for joining us. Well, I have loved you. this entire interview. It's this been like a lot of fun. Interview and amazing. Well, I, you know what? P perhaps, you know, even if it's at the airport when you're departing and I'm arriving, that would be wonderful. <laughs> we'll do like a romantic airport scene from a film. <laughs> and, and John, if you if you uh, would be so kind, once you've actually gone to uh, Halloween Horror Nights this year and actually been able to experience the house, uh -huh. we're all going this year. So we're, we're actually going together this year. Um, so we'll be able to experience it ourselves. But it'd be great to have you back on just to... Uh, have oh, you? Yeah. It might be that one day. I don't know. I don't know how you're. I don't know if you get like a three day pass or a five day pass or how how you go visit. But uh, perhaps we can do that and tip back a uh, volatile uh, uh, fluid together. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Thank you so much, John. Okay, Thank this recording is going to cut out again any second. All right. Thank you Take so care. so much, John. We love, love you so much. You. Goodbye.
Cheers. Big hug. Thank you very much. Hugging every one of you. Take care, guys. <laughs> Bye. Okay, what a fantastic interview that was. Yeah. How cool. Holy moly, that was awesome. You guys know now that I was not exaggerating when I said that it was such a good interview and one of my favorites. It was fantastic. Apologies that it's very long. You know what I'm like. I can't uh, stop myself. I think I think John gave as good as he got, to be completely fair. But the, 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 yes. the main important thing when you've got an interview that kind of goes on a bit longer than you was anticipating, because when we talked about this earlier, we was like, oh, 20, 30 minutes maybe. And I didn't know John, so I didn't know if that was, uh, you know, a reasonable set assessment to make or not. But the one thing I got, you know, and this is the first time I'd ever spoken to him, is that it's somebody who, who's extremely passionate about what they do and extremely passionate about, this particular film and therefore that just makes an interesting interview and that's all, at the end of the day it's what you want if, if an interview goes long it doesn't matter as long as it's entertaining it's funny it's informative it's interesting it ticks all those boxes it did for sure and john is such he's such a good guy and he's so talented and i think he's he was a fantastic guest i can't wait to have him on again after Halloween Horror Nights 29 and after we've all experienced the incredible sounding killer clowns from our space house. Because by now you know that that's what's been announced. Yeah. Because yeah. we just talked about it for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so that announcement came through today. We had little teasers of it throughout the day on Twitter. Our Ryan attended the media event for Halloween Horror Nights a few days ago where they also teased this house and he got a little look of inside the house but we're going to cover all of that on a special episode. I'm excited about this. I think last year when it was announced as a scare zone I was like awesome I freaking love killer clowns but I don't know why they're not doing it as a house because it would work amazing as a house. I think now, looking back on it, they did it in the right way because now that is opened up to a whole new group of fans that would maybe never have been interested in Killer Clowns before. A lot of people probably watched Killer Clowns from Outer Space for the first time last year when it was announced as a house and announced as a scare zone, sorry. So now that they have seen these characters and they've seen how fun the film is they can appreciate it as a house so i think it's in the right way you know looking back on it well yeah. i think the other thing as well is that you can kind of compare it to the trick or treat trick or treat uh treatment mm-hmm. uh, that was a franchise that people had been talking about for a long time finally was put to halloween horror nights as a scare zone and i think it was a good way of testing the water a little bit for a film that doesn't have the kind of like mass pop culture appeal of something like i mean that year we had like the shining and saw um and they are obviously big famous films big franchise films um ones that built up a you know are well known within the horror community as well as outside and things like trick-or-treat and Killer Clowns seem to be films that have more of a cult following and that's not a negative that's just because when those films come out they didn't have wide releases they didn't 
um, have uh, as big an impact on, uh, at the box office as, uh, as other films have done. But what both of those films have done is become a big cult hit on uh, TV, on video, on Blu-ray. So they've got their fans. And I think what they did really well trick-or-treat, and I think they repeated with Killer Clowns, is that they gave everyone a taste to see if it was going to work for a house, if it had that mass appeal. And both of those really kind of blew up as scare zones. For sure. I mean, that scare zone was packed every single night that I was there last year. I think, Luke, we spent the majority of our time, well, our scare zone time anyway, in Killer Clowns from Outer Space. We were obsessed with it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely loved it. Like, if you watch any of the, the vlogs that me or Luke have put out from Halloween Horror Nights last year, the majority of the video is of the Killer Clowns because it was just such an interactive zone. Mm-hmm. The characters that were playing these clowns were incredible. Like John mentioned about the the scare actors that were playing the Terenzi brothers, and again, incredible. It was just such a cool zone. The costumes. I was a little worried about when it was announced because if if you've obviously seen the film, you'll know that they're very unique kind of costumes. And I was like, I. I mean, if it's done right, it's going to be amazing, but it could go wrong so easily. But they pulled it off amazingly, and it was just, it was a beautiful scare zone, and it was so fun to be immersed in the killer clown from our space world. Yeah. They got the clown straight from the movie. That's what it looked like, at least. Honestly, it did. It absolutely did look like they were straight from the movie. I think the makeup and the costume department did an incredible job. I don't think a lot of the time they get the credit that they deserve because they're truly like the heart of the event. Mm-hmm. And they just pulled off spectacularly. I think it was incredible. And I'm just so excited that now we're going to get to see sections from the film inside of the house, the house that it deserves. So we'll see things like the cutting handy cocoon room. We'll get to see the tent spaceship. We'll get to see, this is my favourite part of the announcement as well, Clownzilla. Oh, yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> like, I'm so excited. I think he's going to be huge. I know we were talking on the last episode about the Ghostbusters announcement and we were talking about the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Or, I mean, he could have some competition here with Clownzilla. Well, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have potentially three massive creatures, whether yes. they're puppets or suits or, or whatever, um, because of Stranger Things, because of Ghostbusters, and now because of Killer Clowns. And that reference in the Killer Clowns announcement. For sure. For sure. I think that this... It's definitely, I know I mentioned this last week too, this is definitely shaping up to be my favourite ever Halloween Horror Nights. And I've been to a lot, I've seen some shit. I've seen some amazing houses, I've seen some amazing square zones. I constantly change what my favourite is, but I think this year is just such a solid lineup. I think we've been completely spoiled with amazing IPs. I just, I don't, I couldn't ask for more out of a Halloween Horror Nights event, I think it's going to be perfect. Oh, it's yeah. exactly what I want out of an event. It's, I mean, I'm certainly excited. Um, you know, I don't have the history of Killer Clowns like you do. And, uh, you know, I looked at that scare zone last year um, and really thought, man, I'd like to be in that scare zone. 
So I feel incredibly lucky. I know some people, there are, there are certain parts of the fandom that get a little bit annoyed when IPs are repeated. Um, we saw that last year with Trick or Treat. And, you know, it'd be interesting if we get the same this year with uh, Killer Clowns. But to me, I, you know, I, I think it's, well, first of all, they're not repeating it. You know, they're doing something different with it this year um, because now it's going to be a house rather than a scare zone. Um, but it does mean that those people that can't go every year, and there are lots of people that would love to but just can't, um, it means they get to experience it. So, you know, for that reason, I'm super excited that this, is, this has been announced. I'm just glad the cat's out of the bag. I know. I'm glad that we can finally talk about it. Because, <laughs> I mean, for a little while, and I think back in maybe like February or March, when the, you know, at the end of last year, we were like, okay, it's probably going to come back as a house like Trick or Treat did. But then when the rumors started kind of intensifying, I was like, I don't know if it'll be this year. I knew that Hollywood were getting it. Mm. Like, I'd, I'd heard that from quite a few people that Hollywood oh, were, yeah. were getting a house because they didn't get any killer clowns last year um and i just kind of assumed that all of the the costumes and the sets that we used in orlando last year would be taken over to hollywood and then maybe next year we'd get a killer clowns house but i was completely wrong on that they're doing it on both coasts <laughs> anyway so hollywood and orlando are both getting the killer clowns and we're sharing all three ips with them so far yep so that it's going to be an interesting yeah, for both coasts. Would and I mean, I would love to go over and experience the Hollywood event. That's the thing as well, because, you know, when you see videos of, of Hollywood and when they've done, you know, like when they've had shared IPs before, they are different. They are completely different to the Orlando uh, mm -hmm. setups because of the, the nature of how they do the event. Um, they don't have the luxury that Orlando does with the sound stages. So, you know, even though we're going to experience it, what they're going to get in Hollywood is, is not going to be the same thing. Um, but what's interesting, I think, is that, you know, those Killer Clown costumes, you know, they're, they're repeating those. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to have to have them there. You know, your assumption before about it going to Hollywood this year, we weren't going to get it in Orlando, it makes sense because, you know, they had those costumes specially made last year. Um, and so I think that, really proves how much they love the franchise and how much it must have had an impact last year for them to basically double down on the costumes because they can't be cheap to make. No, no, exactly. And they are incredible. Like if you look, like I follow quite a lot of photographers on Instagram, do a lot of um, photography in the parks. There's photographers on Instagram? I know. What a revelation. <laughs> um, and I'm just like, you'll see them in like videos and, and vlogs and stuff like what me and Luke do and like what other YouTubers do. But seeing the amazing photographers taking pictures of these clowns in the park, it like they're just such stunning photographs and it really gave you such a, like, it felt like you were there more than maybe a video does because all the lighting is right in it and like the sense of the size of them and things like that. And I, all I do all day is just look through the HHN28 hashtag on Instagram, honestly, <laughs> to try and really fast you. <laughs> but I'm super excited about this house. I can't wait. 
Yes. I can't wait to be trapped in those cotton candy cocoons. I was, almost said canoe. <laughs> Canoes. That can be the new carnival caravan. Killer clown carnival caravan. <laughs> so I'm hoping that this will be the year as well that we're going to finally get some themed drinks and snacks for Killer Clowns because last year I was super hoping. If you've seen the film, you'll know that when they have the cotton candy cocoons, they stick straws in it and they drink the blood out of the cocoon. And so last year I imagined that we'd have like a cotton candy cocktail. Mm-hmm. Like one of those fun ones where they, they put like cotton candy in it. Drink. And then we'd have like a curly straw like they do in the film and it would be red like blood. We didn't get them, but I'm really hoping that this year we will. Yeah. Or at least just cotton candy. <laughs> Oh, I mean, they could use a bit of squirty cream on the top. They could. I suppose. They could, but I want, I want to go all out. I want full cotton candy in my cocktail. You're I didn't even drink cocktails, but I, I will drink, drink cotton candy. Cotton candy. Cotton candy. <laughs> no, I, don't like, I don't like candy floss. Oh, well. I was going to say, because like, what we could do is I'll drink the cocktail and you can have the candy floss. But if you don't like the candy floss as well, then don't try and, don't try and poison my drink. I mean, that's how, like, in on it I am. Like, I don't like either thing, but I'll have it together for the sake of killer clowns from out space. <laughs> Luke will just have to carry me home. Just for just for our UK listeners, by the way, um, cotton candy, uh, we call candy floss. Yes. Yeah, British. Yeah, don't floss your teeth with that. Just I just need to go on a really quick tangent. You? What? <laughs> so last week um, I had quite a few messages about my little rant about British films and British comedy oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> people couldn't believe that I didn't I wasn't into it, they couldn't believe that I didn't get British comedy when I am British and I was like no 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 totally get what you're saying it's, it's, it's not the British films problem it's, it's me, I'm, I'm the problem um, but a few, so First off, I started watching Shaun and the Dead. I fell asleep 10 minutes in. Not because I didn't like the film. I thought that it was pretty funny, but I was very tired at the time. So the next day, I was like, hey, this film looks really cool. Called Ritual. Looks awesome. Let's watch it. All I did was look at the artwork for it and read like a brief overview. I put it on. It was British. And I was like, oh, no, no, I'm out. I don't want to watch this anymore. And then I persevered, and it is one of the best films that I've ever seen. We uh-huh. we we pioneered horror. Like you know, Universal monsters are obviously you know what we remember as being like the early days of horror. But if you, I mean, Ripley's the best person to speak to about this. I mean, he'll chew your ear off all day about Hammer, and you know Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. And all of that, like we used to be the kings of horror for a long, long time. Um, Hollywood kind of ignored horror for an awful long time, and we kept at it. I mean, even Hitchcock. I mean, okay, those films um, normally had American actors in them, uh-huh. but he's a very British director. Um, so I think, and I, I, I get it. I get it. I, you know, I've seen some British horror films that I think I thought are actually pretty good. Um, and I've seen some that I'll probably never watch again. But then you could have that argument with American horror as well. 
you know, not yeah, every... I mean, I've seen some crap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to say, you must, you must have. I definitely have. Um, so, I mean, Shaun of the Dead's a bit different because that was actually advertised as the world's first rom-zom-com. <laughs> a romantic zombie comedy. Um, I don't really play with that. Um, I think it's a comedic homage to things like Dawn of the Dead more than a romantic comedy. But I mean, yeah. I, I kind of see what they were getting at with the marketing, but um, it's a lot lighter than it is a horror film, if that makes sense. For sure. And I feel like British horror, I'm, I'm all for. It is definitely more things like comedy and British rom-com. So things like Love Actually, I've seen five minutes of and I had to turn it off. I don't like, I'm not a big rom-com fan anyway, but if it's a British rom-com, I'm out. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm like that with rom-coms generally anyway. There's there's not many American rom-coms I like. I'm, no. I'm totally with you on that. I mean, we had to watch, um, you know, because of you, uh, you got mail. <laughs> I love you've got mail. For disaster. Tom uh, Hanks is in it. That half of movies. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Like, just because Tom Hanks is great in everything doesn't mean it's a good film. It's- it does. I've never seen a bad Tom Hanks film. Have you seen uh, uh, King for a Hologram? No. There you go. Our, um, oh, he did one Julia Roberts a few years ago. I can't even remember what it was called. It was like the, it was like someone's name. It's what? There was a film he did with Julia Roberts a few years ago, and it was someone's name it was the title of the film. You know, like Aaron Brockovich. It wasn't Aaron Brockovich, obviously, but what I mean is, <laughs> the part of the film was the name of a person, um, and that looked appalling. So, I'm googling it right now. Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks, Julie Roberts, Roberts. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they they're, they're not they're not all winners. Like even even great Larry actors. Crown. Larry Crown. There you go. Um, I haven't seen that. No, exactly. No one has. Um, you know, even even good actors can make crap films. It happens all the time. But um, as I said, like honestly, Shaun of the Dead you'll like because it's it's mainly a zombie film. Once it kicks in properly, it's it's like a good homage to lots of films that you've seen. Um, Hot Fuzz is just a funny comedy. Um, it it kind of plays homage to things like Point Break um, mm-hmm. and those kind of like American action films. Um, but it's it's also really funny as well as that as being like a homage to it. Um, did you ever see Scott Pilgrim? I did. I love Scott Pilgrim. Right, so Scott Pilgrim's from the same director. Oh, really? Yeah. So a lot of his, a lot of the kind of camera techniques he uses in Scott Pilgrim, he uses in Shaun of the Dead and um, Hot Fuzz as well, because that's his style of filmmaking. You know, he was supposed to make Ant Man, and the reason he didn't make Ant Man was because Marvel wanted him to make a Marvel film, and he wanted to make his version of a Marvel film. I think that what my problem is, is it's not so much like a British director or like a British like overtone of a film. It's that if it's like a British comedy or British rom-com, I feel like everything's overly fake British. Yeah. And, and that, again, that's why those two films in particular kind of stand out because they're kind of playing homage to American films. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think when, and, I, and I've seen some truly awful British comedies over the years so i i know what you mean and i know what you mean about the fakeness and you know again bloody after dark in the movies had to watch four weddings and a funeral recently jesus christ um and i know people love that film but full monty no it doesn't do it for me either um give me magic mike any day 
It's got Kevin Nash in it, for God's sake, you know. I haven't seen Magic... What? Kevin Nash is in... Like, from wrestling is in Magic Mike? Oh, yeah. Big Sexy. Yeah. I am so down. I had such a crush on Kevin Nash. Yeah, my my wife didn't even know he was until she watched Magic Mike. And I made her watch Magic Mike. I, like, it wasn't even her choice. I'm like, yeah, this looks like quite fun. And um, she was like, God, he's a good-looking bloke. I'm like, it's Big Sexy Kevin Nash. I mean, Magic Mike's never felt like it was my kind of vibe, but now I'm feeling like it is. Oh, like, I mean surprisingly uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna make a big shock announcement on this podcast surprisingly not actually gay even though i love bring it on cozy ugly and magic mike um (laughs) these are big fingers but um yeah no i think you'll like that but look before you watch magic mike sean of the dead you like sean of the dead hot fuzz stop there don't don't worry about the third one like that that was a trilogy of films called the cornetto trilogy and that'll make mm-hmm. sense when you watch them. The third one, not particularly great. But like, Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead, absolutely. And Shaun of the Dead has got to be your priority because it's, it's essentially a, a homage to, to horror films. So, yeah. Okay, I will for sure watch Shaun of the Dead. If so. I have to come up to Liverpool and, and sit there with you, I will do it. Do it. Oh, God. I've got Bud Light here for you. Oh, that is very true. That is very tempting. <laughs> got Bud Light and a fan. <laughs> I can't put on because I'm recording a podcast, so I'm just melting. <laughs> so hot. So hot. It is. So anyway, we're all super excited about Killer Clowns returning to the event as a house this year. We super hope that you enjoyed our interview with John Mazzari. If you did, make sure that you go and check out the video version of it, which is over on our YouTube channel, or will be in the next few days as soon as I've edited it. And leave us some likes, leave us some comments, let Drummers already know that you enjoyed it and you'd like him to come back. Yeah, absolutely. And check out his YouTube because um, he, he said that there was, well, he was talking about a few clips uh, during the interview. They're on his YouTube channel. So um, yeah, go and check those out as well. Absolutely. But thank you so much for listening. We super appreciate you guys. Don't forget that we'll be back next week with an episode all about food at the parks for you picky eaters, for you vegans, for you veggies, for you people who just want to try something different. And we'll also have some info from the Halloween Horror Nights media event from Ryan and probably another Halloween Horror Nights house announcement or scare zone. Who knows? So we will see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Toodle pip. (laughs) Is that not the right way of ending? is part of the After Dark Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to this show. If you would like to support us and the other After Dark Podcast Network shows, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash disafterdark. That's p-a-t-r-e-r-n dot com slash disafterdark. As well as supporting the show, there are other goodies available, including badges and soon t-shirts available as a thank you for your support. Right, so I'll chop this bit out here and then back from the interview.